Folks, welcome to Real Mentors Radio. Troy Dooley, the host of today's show. We are on Chapter 4 of Oren Woodward's book. This is a brand new book called Resolve, 13 Resolutions for Life. When I got this book, I didn't start into it right in the beginning. I took my time, but the the as time went by, I, got, I guess I picked this up last December is when Oren had sent it to me, but it wasn't until this month that I really dug really deep. I started reading it, and I put it down. I'd get, you know, Christmas season, got stuff going. Once I started digging into this, I started realizing, man, there's a lot of stuff here for me to look at. Today we're looking at, I resolve to align my conscience, which Oren calls the ant, with my subconscience, the elephant, mind towards my vision. Now, at first, that kind of threw me. I thought, man, I'm not sure I'm going to get this chapter. Because he, I tell you what, I've met a lot of leaders, a lot of what I call scholars. I mean, guys that really study this stuff, the Maxwells, the the Coveys, and and Orn's like that. I mean, he digs in deep to where sometimes I've got to sit back and analyze this as just a country boy. But in this chapter, he says, I know that ending the civil war between them is critical for achievement. Now, he's talking about the ant and the elephant. And I, and I thought, man, i got to look a little further. Got to dig a little deeper this time into the chapter. He says, achievers in every field visualize successful outcomes before they make them a reality. It doesn't matter if it's athletes, salesmen, musicians, business owners. Everyone's the same. He says, the conscious mind thinks in words while the subconscious mind thinks through images. Now, I thought about the last chapter we were just in, Attitude, and I thought, man, that's pretty true. What we what we see in our mind, whether it's fear, whether excitement, whatever, it, we really do see in pictures in our subconscious. But in our conscious mind, it's the words. That's why sometimes we're afraid to pick up the phone. We're afraid to hear the word no. No can't hurt you, but yet, man, it scares the pee out of some of us. And I thought, man, this is a chapter that's interesting. Listen to what he says here. And this was written by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. He writes, the brain and nervous system constitute a marvelous and complex goal-striving mechanism, a sort of built-in automatic guidance system which works for you as a success mechanism or against you as a failure mechanism, depending on how you, the operator, operate it and the goals you set for it. I thought, man, if this is if this is true, then when he what he's talking about between the ant and the elephant is the fact that my subconscious mind, your subconscious mind, will totally eliminate the true reality of things because the ant is talking in words. Henry David Thoreau, which is I have books of his on my my uh, iPad, wrote this. Most men live lives of quiet desperation, believing few ever accomplish what they truly want, instead quietly resigning themselves to their fate. What I found remarkable about this small phrase is that many of my Western heroes would carry Henry David Thoreau's books with them. Some of the greatest philosophers of the of the 19th century, the 1800s, were readers. They were out there in the country. They were pioneers breaking new ground. They would be in lying shacks, tending cattle, and they would be reading those books. And I thought, 
Most men live lives of quiet desperation, believing few ever accomplish what they truly want, instead quietly resigning themselves to their fate. And I thought, how many great men and women could have been somebody, could go somewhere? Maybe you're listening to the show today and you're like that. You're thinking, man, I'm that kind of person. I'm just living in quiet desperation. Man, we can't control what goes on. Orrin writes it this way. He says, a person doesn't control his outside issues, but he certainly is responsible for the inside conditions. Notice he starts with the word control. He cannot control outside issues. We can't control what other people say about us. We can't control what happens in our lives sometimes. I can't tell you, I can't call up the president and say, I want you to do this. I can't even call the mayor and say that. She'd smack me. But yet we're responsible for what goes on inside of us. So if we know we have our subconscious and our conscious mind, how do we get them into alignment? Orrin says this, When a person assumes responsibility for what is fed to his ant, his, his mind, and his elephant, his subconscious mind, he changes his thoughts goes back to what I said yesterday in the chapter on attitude. The Bible is very clear. What we feed into our mind will come out in our hearts. In other words, it will come out in our words. See, when we feed the expectations into the elephant, into the subconscious mind, it will start coming out in our actions. It will come out in our vocabulary. I believe a lot of times the dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies that are out there the people that can't find satisfaction in what they are doing, it's because they're feeding the wrong thing inside. And the question is, how can we stop it? How can we stop feeding the wrong messages into our doggone brain? I mean, we are inundated with negative, crappy thoughts. The media, our neighbors... Sometimes our, our, our kids, movies on TV. So we've got to learn to control those. Listen to what Orrin writes here. He says, "Imagine, imagination then is a neutral or of success or failure. It is dependent upon the programmer's choice to feed the elephant. Now, it, it, this is good. If, if the imagination is neutral to success or failure, it goes back yesterday to what I was saying about the movie Tron, about a computer system. See, the hard drive and the kernel that runs the brain, they're neutral until they are programmed. Once they are programmed, that's when they take shape. That's when you get to look at them. The same thing is with our brain. If we program it wrong, if we accept the programming that is there and we don't delete it or change it or write it or upgrade it, however you want to look at it, then we got a problem. Dr. Maltz sums it up by saying we act or fail to act not because of the will, as is so commonly believed, but because of the imagination. A human being always acts and feels and performs in accordance with what he imagines to be true about himself and his environment. Now that right there, I've got to start segueing probably out of Orrin's book for a minute. Listen to me. If you don't think you can then you're right. If you think you can, then you're right. Some of you that have hung with me on the radio show know that 
one of the stories that I continually bombard you with is the fact that when I was growing up, the one story that my mom constantly read to me was out of these little Bible story books, and it was called Knock Out the Tea. And it was about little Johnny, and he said, Mommy, I can't, I can't. And she said, if you just get rid of that tea and you say, I can, I can, you'll make it. And little by little, his self-confidence grew. And little by little, he could. And my mom would sit there and she'd say, Troy, there is nothing in this world that you can't do if you just set your mind to it. If you've got the passion for it. It goes back to what Orton said early in this book, where you're... Where your passions and your talents and your profits meet, that's your purpose. I found my purpose. When I found my purpose, it started fueling the images that were going into my subconscious. I'll tell you one. It's kind of funny because it didn't quite turn out the way I planned it, but it's cool. I remember in 2000, sitting in the back, the very back of North Point Community Church, listening to John Maxwell on stage. 1,500 2,000 people sitting there in that auditorium. And I thought, one of these days, I'm going to be on that stage. One of these days at Catalyst, I'm going to be on that stage looking out over the audience. And it happened. Matter of fact, it's happened for the last eight, nine years. Because I go up there and I help set up. And we're we're part of the A team, and we set up everything, and we're we're helping the guys, and they get the big stage set up, and I've walked up there, and I've stood on that stage, and I've looked out over those chairs of fifteen thousand, and you know what? I still say one of these days, it may not be catalyst, but I know what my calling is. See, I have those images in my mind. This year I get to be some speaking engagements. It's going to be fun. See, some people are afraid of speaking. I'm thriving on it. But see, it's the images that I'm putting into there. When I run my, run, ran my races as a youngin, it was what I was filling in. I knew I could win as a bounty hunter. When I was out there chasing people, I didn't have negative images flowing into my brain about how I couldn't smack that boy down. I knew I had to do something because my life was on the line. See, it's the images that we feed in. The same thing rings true in network marketing. It rings true in your personal life. If all you do is fill your head with scarcity, with with images of failing, then you end up like the, like like the, uh, what what they call it was uh, Joshua, and Aaron and a bunch of the guys. They go into the promised land. Scouts. Moses said, "Go scout the promised land. Let's see what happens." Twelve of them go across. Twelve of them come back. Ten of them said, hey, no way. There's big old giants over there. Those cities got big walls. They're mean. They're they're huge. Joshua just shook his head and said, we can kick their butts. That's a promised land. Our God's bigger than everybody's. But because of those pictures, they fed into their brain. It was another 40 years before they crossed over that river into the promised land. Orn puts it this way, we have to protect the thoughts sent to the subconscious mind for both the fears and dreams that the ant feeds to the elephant consistently unleashes the elephant to fulfill his programming. Do you realize ants, man, they just crank it out. They work, they dig, they work all... Do you realize an elephant is trained totally? When they're little, when they're very, very little, 
a piece of rope's put around them and a stake is put into the ground. They pull on that stake and they can't get out. You know when they grow up, they can still have a little bitty rope or a little chain on their leg and it can be in the ground. And even though they weigh tons and they can pull it right out of the ground, they never move. They never stop. They're freaking afraid because their mind has been chained with images. So how do we unite? How can we get the the, the, the ant and the subconscious, the, the elephant, to work together? It takes discipline. Man, I go back to my military days. I'm sitting there, and we're in training. And doggone it, when you're doing that, and you know that the end result is somebody's going to die. There's There's nothing about war... That, that That's about sitting around drinking tea together. I, I don't like war. I just understand it's inevitable. So I'm in the military and I'm learning how to be the best warrior that I can be. I wasn't thinking about, oh my gosh, I could get shot. I was filling myself with everything that I could to make sure that I would win. And you know, there was a time when I walked into boot camp when I was called a maggot. I wasn't I wasn't good enough to be called a Marine. Twelve weeks later, I was called a Marine. But you want to know what else I could do? I could shoot straight. I could swim a long time. I could run forever, it seemed like. I could take an M16 blindfolded in the dark, take it apart, clean it, oil it, and put it back together again. Because the elephant... And the ant had come together. When I got out into the real world and I started growing and I was with Primerica and learning financial services, I didn't worry about some nice 40, 50, 60 year old man sitting across the kitchen table from me trying to tell my my clients, I saw everybody as my clients, trying to tell them he's too young, he don't know what he's talking about, he don't have pot to piss in. I had that happen once. It didn't bother me at all, man. I just stood my ground and said, I know what's right. I'm going to share with you what has to happen, and here's the scoop. And here's and you know what? My confidence helped a lot of clients. A 19-year-old scraggly Marine, I'm telling people what they need to do with their finances. See, this is what Orrin's talking about. Success is your individual picture in your mind's eye. What what I see as success and what you see as success is going to be two different things. And as a matter of fact, what you see as success at different seasons in your life are going to be two different things. I imagine when, when Orrin and Lori got married, success had more to do with finishing up, getting his degree, going out there and creating things and getting patents on them, going to work as an engineer. Probably a little bit down the road, all of a sudden, it, it probably changed again, and, and all of a sudden, they were having the kids, and now the success was trying to raise good, godly kids, foundation. Started growing his business, and then all of a sudden, the the rest of it came up, and, and he started getting excited, and so success changes again. As women become mothers, and, and their success, everything, success is not a finite that this is the only definition. But if we're scared to death about it, then we got issues. 
And that's what happens. So we've got to we've got to get success in our mind's eye. Dr. Maltz writes this. On the power of imagination and goal achievement, the goals that the creative mechanisms seek to achieve are mental images or mental pictures, which we create by the use of imagination. Success is pictured in the mind first, then through the use of the mind's creative mechanism, it's formulated into the real world. This is what I do with my 3x5 cards. See, success to me, now, now yesterday we did this too, but I want to share a little bit more today about success. Because this is one of the things that I see as my success. This is how I define what success is. Number one, I look at the five major decisions that I've got to make every day in my life. Number one, my relationships. Have I deepened my relationships today with God, with Paige, with my kids, with my business partners? My character. Have I developed my character today and how? My attitude. Have I chosen the right attitude in spite of what's happened to me today and how did I do that? My values. Have I lived out my values before others today and how? My growth. Have I done the things that will increase my potential today and if so, how? That's how I determine, was I su successful today? I'm able to take the words and the mental images of what that would mean. If I'm successful with Paige, she's talking to me. She's coming into the office saying, I love you. She's sending me text messages. If I have connected with my kids and they feel loved, then it, like Dalton right now is texting me saying, hey, i got a question about an RSS feed. Or JT saying, I love you, Daddy. Or Josh is saying, hey, can I take you to the airport? The girls are saying, we love you, Daddy. The little girls are saying, can we play with you? Jetty's telling me I'm ready to watch Ghost Rider 2 with you. I know they want to connect with me when I'm successful. Same thing if I know when I'm successful with God or my business partners, whatever. The mental images connect with the creative mechanism. And in each of those decisions, subconsciously throughout the day, I'm rolling. And I'm making it happen. Because I'm visualizing it. Do you realize the Bible is nothing more than a visualization of how to succeed in every area of your life? If you want to know how to succeed in, in being a couple, there's whole books on it on how to succeed as a couple. If you want to know about business, there's whole books on it. I mean, I, I challenge you. Go read the book of Nehemiah. There's not a, a, a overt miracle of any kind in there. It's just a man with a vision that says, I'm going to rebuild the wall. All kinds of things that we can attack and take with us to take the ant and the elephant and make them work in unison. Orn writes this, People will discipline their conscience ant mind to make a living, but few will discipline their subconscious elephant mind to achieve their dreams. It's easier to make excuses. Just, just make the excuse, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. My my dad worked for organized crime, or my dad was in the union, or my, my mom just didn't have the right education, or my, my aunt was this, or my last name wasn't Bush, or it wasn't Cheney, or it wasn't Obama. You know, you always make excuses. You want to know somebody didn't make an excuse? Will Smith. You know, Will Smith didn't start with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born lower middle class on on the west side of Philadelphia. But he did start with something infinitely more powerful 
a human dream. He had a passion. He had a dream. I want to be somebody. According to Smith, the turning point in his life happened at the age of 16. After his first girlfriend cheated on him, in his mind she cheated because I wasn't good enough. He goes, I remember making the decision I will never not be good enough again. Instead of hosting his own pity party, he intuitively understood that massive success would be the best revenge. So he focused. He wanted worldwide fame. He wanted to be somebody. How many kids at 16 do you think really think that? I'm glad Orrin puts these stories in there. It's amazing. He, he went on. Here's the deal. The idea that there are millions and billions of people who lived before us, and they have problems that they solved, and they wrote them in a book, caused him to realize, that I can do anything. So for me, the concept of reading was bittersweet because you know it's in a book somewhere, but you've got to find the answer. I thought, wow, because, man, I'm a reader. So here's what he did. He passed on an engineering career that was offered to him through attending MIT. Now, hello, you get a chance to go to MIT, be an engineer, and this would have been right, him and Orrin would probably have been best friends, and he blows it off. Instead, he partnered with DJ Jazzy Jeff, releasing their first album while they were still in high school. It was a PG rap, but they won their first Grammy. That's pretty wild. And you would think that he'd be on his way up. But listen to this. After winning his Grammy, Smith, still a teenager with no financial experience, spent his income freely. Sounds like a bunch of network marketers. Leading the IRS to... Popping with a tax lien of two point eight million. Now it really sounds like a network marketer. Only one. I mean, just think of that. That's got to be bad. You're embarrassed. You're, you're, you're sitting here. You're the stud. The school loves you. Everything's going great. And now you're you're facing all kinds of crap. About that time, he got the sitcom The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. The series was an overnight hit. Shot him to the top. But that wasn't the end of it. Ends up. He got into a bitter divorce that led to him having to give his ex-wife $900,000 and twenty-four grand a month in alimony and child support. But it didn't stop there, even though he got another multi-million dollar tax lien. Multi-million dollar divorce. He didn't stop. In fact, it just made his dreams bigger and bigger and bigger to where now Will's success is not by accident. It was by design. And he understands what it means to succeed. It's funny because, listen to this. It's been nearly 20 years since Smith made his sitcom splash as the humorous, fast-talking Fresh Prince. Today, his films gross over $130 million per movie on average, making Smith one of the elite of the elite in his profession. His financial successful films have been Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, Independence Day, Men in Black, Men in Black 2, they're getting ready to make three, I, Robot, The Pursuit of Happiness, I Am Legend, Hancock, Wild Wild West, Enemies of the State, Shark Tale, Hitch, Seven Pounds, and he earned incredible praise for his performance in Six Degree of Separation, Ali, and The Pursuit of Happiness. Just a small black kid from the west side of Philadelphia. But he didn't let his elephant and his ant get confused. He synced them up, brought them together, and the rest 
is history. I'm telling you, you need to go buy Oren's book because I, I, I've just scratched the surface of each chapter. I, I haven't been able to get, dig deep. He is he's put some stuff in here. That's why this book's on the on the market. This isn't something that just is through his his company. You can just go to Amazon and buy it. Resolve 13 resolutions for life. I suggest everybody get a copy. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow with me on Real Mentors Radio as we dive into chapter 5. I resolve to develop and implement a game plan in each area of my life. Bye for now.